Hi, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to the Coaching Call podcast. On this podcast, we'll cover various types of coaching by trainers in sports, martial arts, fitness, and business. We'll discuss each coach's methods to getting the most out of their respective athletes or clients and how they attempt to change the platform in which they coach. Join us on a fun adventure as we discuss unique coaching styles. We've all been coached before, in school, at work, or on a team. Your first coaches were your mom and dad who taught you how to communicate, tie your shoes, or play a simple game of catch. Coaching is a universal part of how we get others to get something done. Join your host, Raphael, and his guests on this unique journey in coaching. Hi, I'm Sifu Raphael, and this is the Coaching Call Podcast. If you enjoy this episode, please subscribe and leave a review. This episode was made possible by listeners like you. If you enjoy my show, go ahead and buy me a cup of coffee. Make it a large. To donate, go to paypal.me slash Raphael. That's S-I-F-U-R-A-F-A-E-L. I'm trying to keep this podcast free of advertisements. Anything you can donate is greatly appreciated. Thank you. When we can help be the mirror to help partner up with someone to pull out all these beautiful things out of them and we come back and show it to them, dude, it, it hits them so different. Like it changes their life. My guest today is Bijal Patel. Bijal is the passionate, positive, and relentless founder and CEO of Launch, a world-class business and brand strategy coaching company who has a strong track record for coaching entrepreneurs to their fullest potential. She has helped hundreds of businesses with their unique coaching style combined with brilliant methods. Ejil, thank you so much for joining me on Coaching Call. How are you today? I'm doing awesome. Thank you so much for having you, Raphael. It's exciting to be here. I'm, I'm excited to have you on. One of the things that I, I love about you is your energy. Oh, thank you. Where do you get that from? I don't know. (laughs) I don't know where that's a great question. I was actually talking to my husband today about it. And uh, my husband's my like number one psychotic fan. And so, you know, we're in the morning, we're getting ready. And he's like, you've got the sauce, honey. This is why people love you. This is why like high level people support you. It's that energy. He's like, people can come in and be excited for a day or a week or two hours. But he's like, you're like week over week, month over month, year over year. Mm. And I was like, great. How do I sell that? (laughs) (laughs) So I don't, I don't, I just legitimately do not know. How do we package that? Right. I do have some ideas about that. So I have started to, because I've been asking this question for a while. I was like, man. Like this whole energy compliment is super nice. And like, how do I tie that to anything business related, right? You're in business, I'm in business. And we both align a lot where we want to help people. Like that's what we care about, right? So I guess I would answer in some way besides just making a big joke about it is I do get some of my energy legitimately from just helping people. Mm, That's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. And I think you do too. Cause like, that's how we connected like fireworks, like right off the bat. Exactly. Yeah. Two, two flames. 
Yeah. So what I was saying is how to package it. That's such a great question is Mm. what I've been realizing is I work and do branding. So that includes personal branding of like, Hey, who are you as a person, but also your business branding. And what I've realized and recognized is that through working with someone, we're able to pull out their secret sauce. So people tell me energy is my secret sauce. We work with our clients. We find out that thing that they are biased to not seeing anymore. You know, we're our own worst critics and, and, you know, we're our worst people when it comes to our biggest strengths. So we're able to go really, really deep with a client, pull out what makes them shine and sparkle like a unicorn Mm. and then package that into an offer, into an avatar who would like to buy it into the right price point so that they're attracting the right person who would want to buy this offer. And when we're able to create that brand for them and put a bow on it, they can then actually look back and reflect and say, Oh my God, that's my special gift. Like that's what I, that's what I actually do. Wow. Wow. Amazing stuff. But you know, one of the things that, that always intrigues me with someone of your caliber or anyone who does make a difference in our world, right? Mm -hmm. Your childhood. What was it like growing up? Did you have this fire when you were a little girl? Who motivated you? You know, where'd you grow up? What made you who you are today? Because I I totally believe that it's all the things that happened to us when we were little Mm -hmm. that truly transformed us, whether we knew it or not. Right. That is everything, right? Yeah, that's a great question. I I agree with you that the subconscious mind gets imprinted from like, you know, zero to seven. And that's a lot of where it happens. And you can see it of how that manifests for people. But it's so funny that we talked about this when we, we just were getting on this is that my name Bijal actually means lightning. Mm. And uh, in in my native like Hindi language, and uh, people have always asked my mom, how did you know to name her that and Bijal is actually a, a unisex name. So my mom had this name picked out well before she met my dad. Really, She had just decided that one of her kids was going to be named Vigil. Mm. Um, and then, of course, uh, you know, she decided to name me that before I came and I was born in 22 minutes. So like this wow. <laughs> lightning speed, the energy of lightning, the excitement. Mm. Um, and, you know, it's not all rainbows and butterflies. There's a yin to the yang. Of course. And so, you know, there's some of the other side that I have, too, which is like not being super happy, might get into depression, might get anxious, have that other side of it. I always like to paint that picture because I don't ever want anybody, you know, somebody listening to this to be like, oh, well, I guess I'm just supposed to be hype and high energy and be like this person visual all the time. And then I'll get my success. No, no, no. There's a whole other picture. There's a whole other real role. Don't let social media fool you. And um, so I was born in Indiana, super small town. We were the only non-white people Hmm in this 500% town, but I didn't know any different. I was like born there until I was seven. And um, I think the fire was always within me. So my mom has a specific story. I was three years old and my grandparents had come from India, which is my, her in-laws. So imagine your mother-in-law is here from India and my mom had an arranged marriage. So like, you know, it's strict and like, you know, there are certain gender rules that are in play. Everyone finishes dinner and, you know, my mom's over there doing the dishes because we didn't believe in a dishwasher then that would have cost too much money, all that kind of stuff, you know, immigrant, immigrant family stuff. Like my parents weren't down with that. Why would you do that when you can use your hands? Right. 
So she was doing the dishes and then my mom was asking me to help. And I was like, well, I go, why do I need to help with the dishes? And she's like, well, because honey, you, you know, you ate food too. And because we ate, we need to clean up. And I was like, well, so did grandma and so did grandpa and so did dad. So unless they're all going to come here and start doing their dishes, um, that's not really fair. <laughs> she just was like, and my grandma, who's, you know, my mom's mother-in-law turns around and was like, Wow, she has a sharp tongue on her, you know, and I was like three years old. But from then, it's a really good story because I still fight for gender equality. I still fight for social equity. Um, And I've absolutely crushed any sense of Indian cultural norms being a part of my marriage. Um, And so that's a big that's a big defining part of like being brought up in an Indian culture where men were supposed to do a certain thing and be treated a certain way. And women were supposed to be subservient to them. And I think I just came out in the world and my parents were like, wow, okay, well, this is, they were just like, your mother-in-law is just going to have a field day with you. And uh, you know, this is how it's all kind of evolved, but I, I still stand for that to this day. Wow. That's just amazing. And the fact that even at that age, you, you realize something is not right with just me helping, right? Everybody has to chip in, right? Yeah, I'm like, I saw, I saw her eating and I started pointing them out. I was like, he was eating too. What about grandpa? I saw him, he had double, you know? And I was like, <laughs> pointing it out. And my mom just laughed so hard. And uh, it's kind of a, a good moment because we didn't get to see my grandparents a lot. They lived in India. Mm. But, you know, to add to your context to what you asked, it's like, I was second generation. I was the first, my parents came from India when they were like, 25, 30 years old. They didn't even speak English very well. We were brought up in this dual culture environment where we were half Indian and we felt half American. So we were always straddling this, but you know, we grew up middle-class, like lower, not even, I'd say like lower middle-class. So like we grew up in apartments. We didn't have a lot of money. My parents ended up financially struggling a lot. And it really bonded our family unit of me and my parents and my brother, because we went through a lot of hard times um, to understand that, you know, when I was 12 years old, I was selling smoothies at our, our store that was called the Orange Julius in a mall, you know, it'd be like getting all off of school in sixth grade. And then I'd go to the mall so I could relieve my mom from having to work. So like, you know, I'm doing sales, I'm doing physical labor, I'm doing marketing, trying to get somebody to buy a hot dog. Um, but it teaches you humility. And it also taught me that I have got to get to a point where I'm bringing wealth into my family so I can change the tides that we're facing and that we're in today. Oh, that's huge. Sixth grade working. Love it. Love it. Yeah. I started working when I was 10. So for me, See? You're like two years ahead, Raphael. (laughs) You're like, be, be your lightning fast, but you were late on this one. (laughs) Bijo, one of the things that, that we, we don't realize is that it was child labor, wasn't it? It was child labor. It was totally child labor. (laughs) But man, I wouldn't change a thing. Would you? No, no. Because my parents were like, these American talking allowance in India, you be smack on the face. You tell your parents to pay for something. We give you house. We give you upbringing. You say thank you when you work for us. It said it doesn't work like that. You know, like in India, you're you're absolutely crazy to think you don't have to pull your weight. Like, of course you do. And no, you're not getting 50 cents this week because you did it. Yeah, exactly. 
Man, I love the way you just pulled out that Indian accent. What's going well, on? Thank here? you. It's a, it's a gift. It's a gift. I've heard it for a while. Yeah, I hear you. You know, I had um an Indian student and worked super hard. You know, he became a black belt with me. Oh, cool. One day he became a grand champion. He I mean, he went all over the country, he competed, and you know, 125 first place trophies, six grand championships, all this craziness. Wow. One day he invites me to his house. Great. Okay, I go. And I'm thinking I'm having dinner with his family. Oh, I was the guest. Oh. It was the crazy. I've never experienced anything like it. And to be honest with you, I was a little uncomfortable. I'm going to tell you why. I show up, his mom, his dad, man, amazing people, his brother, his sister. I show up and there's this huge amount of food on this table and it's just him and I eating and the parents are serving us the yeah. brother and sister are serving us and I'm like uh, uh, um, are they joining us he's like no no <laughs> Sifu because that, the, in Chinese martial arts they call me Sifu he said this is for you this is for oh. all you've done for me oh my parents are so grateful for you. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, but I would be more comfortable if they sat in with us. Right. He's like, no, they, they could not do that. They will not do that. Wow. And I was like, oh, my gosh. And to, I was treated like beyond royalty. That's so cool. Of course, I love Indian food. So it was, it was a huge, huge blessing on my part. That's amazing. But here's the crazy thing. He takes me up to, he goes, I need to show you something. He takes me to this room. It's a master bedroom. There was nothing in the bedroom except trophies. There was no furniture. You couldn't even walk in the room. You can just look from the door. It was wall-to-wall trophies on the floor, everything. Really? Huge trophies. Big. I'm six foot one. Trophies bigger than me. Really? And I was like, yeah. And wow. he's like. Oh. I wanted you to come and see what you've done for me. I'm like, wow. Oh my God. Wow. And he had an arranged, yeah, he had an arranged marriage. Wow. And I tell you, I wow. love Indian weddings. It was the most fun yeah. I've ever had in my it's entire life. It's so much life. fun. It's so much fun. It's crazy. I didn't know. You know, I've been to so many weddings. Yeah. I didn't know grandma was going to get up and boogie. Yes. I mean, oh, they were yes. going off. You just, it just, and then there's a crowd of, it's just a crazy crowd. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 love, I love Indian weddings to the point where I will befriend someone who's at a marital age level or <laughs> just purely just the that. intention. And I'll start to seed it. I'll be like, don't forget me when it comes time to the wedding. You know, right, <laughs> don't forget right. to bring me. Invite me too. I'm there. Invite me. I still have the dance in me. <laughs> so, you know, who, who impacted you? I, I, obviously your mom, but who impacted you when you were a child? Or who made that, that impact that you said, hmm, this is a, a moment in time that you can always go back to. And it was this person. That made me who I am. I would say my brother. Mm. My parents were very supportive. You know, my dad was the like typical Indian dad. I'm going to push you hard, drive you hard, push you academically. Mom was more the softer, like 
I love you. I'm not as concerned about your achievements. I'm going to make you a bunch of food. You have to eat. But my brother, my older brother, two years older than me, just has been my relentless fan, unrelenting fan since I was like a child. Like we weren't the typical like fight with each other, brother and sister. We were like, Mm. like I literally have said multiple times, he was like my hero growing up. And in a lot of ways, he still you know, he, he will not let me fall without him dropping a pillow first. Like my brother will valiantly, even at this age, we both live in Houston, like believes in me beyond saw something in me all the years where I didn't see anything in myself. And he just was there as a source of inspiration, a place of motivation, a teacher, an educator, um, but just a belief, like a belief injector. Like he just has been my biggest fan, you know, and my brother's a genius. In his own right. And I used to feel really insecure that like, well, I get like B's or I have to try really hard to get the A plus and everything you do just turns into an A plus. And he's always quick to remind me what my gifts were. Mm. And uh, yeah, I get emotional thinking about it. But I mean, he's still a big part of my life today and is still somebody who has inspired me to help other people the way that he injected belief in me. That's amazing. You know, to have not not only to have someone at an early age, but to continually have them. Holy cow, that is amazing. Not many people have that. Yeah. Yep. And I used to get bullied. I used to get bullied a lot as a kid because I was Indian. Like, look at all this hair on my head. Well, obviously I was hairy. So I had the mustache, you know, sideburns, you know, all the things that you could make fun of, the braces, the glasses. And I was a smart kid, which you know is not cool. Get made fun. I got bullied a lot. And my brother would literally always stick up for me when he can. He wouldn't let his friends bully me. He wouldn't let other people that I was around. Like he was just my first and always their defender. You know what I mean? And that I think also helps to build self-confidence, right? When you have someone who's standing in your corner like that. Yeah. It's just it made a big, it made a big impact. You can't you can't buy that either. <laughs> oh no, 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 no. It's genuine, right? I literally will never forget it. And I don't know. I tell him that sometimes now, and I don't know he understands how much that imprinted who I am today mm-hmm. and what it meant to me. Like I can remember how I felt in that moment, in that specific time. He stood up to me and told those guys to like shut up, don't make fun of my sister. I'm gonna have a problem with you. Mm. You know, just just beautiful, just really beautiful stuff. So great question. Thank you for, thank you for asking it. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's amazing when we can have heroes, right? Yeah. And, you know, for me, wow, that, that is so inspiring. And, and, you know, and, and here's the thing, right? For us and you, and you have two beautiful kids. Sometimes kids don't get along that well, right? Yeah. Sometimes they're just going to be at each other's, you know, um, they're always pounding into each other. I have two boys. Yeah. You know, they're three years apart. And for the longest time, my older one always was kind to the other one. But when the other one got a little older and was starting to be mean to him, they were just like at each other, literally. Yeah. yeah. Crazy stuff. Yeah. And now one's about to be 18. The other one's going to be 21. And now they're back at looking out for one another, helping each other. Oh, I love that. And can I tell you, my God, the struggles were real. <laughs> yeah. But now they're looking out for each other. They're helping each other. They're constantly there for one another. And that to me, 
as a parent. Oh, that's so priceless. Oh yeah. It is priceless. That is so priceless. I bet your boys have been, they've taken so much from you that you don't even know it yet. Cause you know, imagine when they're 25 and imagine when they're 30 and imagine if they do have their own children, I think you're just going to be really pleasantly surprised with what they, what they took from you that you don't remember you said, but they reenact what they saw. And you're going to have really high, high character, integrous boys that are out in this world. And we need more of that. We do. We do. You know, one of the things that anytime we were driving, I always consider my car university on wheels. (laughs) And when I, when I had my kids, oh yeah, it, it really is. I would have them with Sheets in the back of the pay, uh, the the car, and I would have the multiplication tables. Yeah, I would have them doing counting. I'll say, okay, you on the right, count how many blue cars you, see, <laughs> you, you on the, the red. Right. And then no names. So it was always, yeah, it was Marco and Giovanni. But yeah, <laughs> it was always like, don't just sit there and do nothing. Let's be yes active. Let's let's activate your mind. Let's consider things, and then sometimes. I would even have like, of course, I would when they were younger play Barney and all those songs and stuff. Yeah. But as they got older, I would listen to different podcasts, podcasts that would, you know, be informative and say to these guys, "What do you guys think of this?" And we would have a half hour drive, and I would have them listen to it, and then I would ask them questions about it. And so this way, I know they were engaged and listening. So I think that's one of the things that my son is always saying, "Dad, remember when we listened to this or that." So that, oh. yeah, that's, 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 that to me, that was key because I still, even when I drive by myself this morning, I drove and I was listening to a podcast. So yeah. it, it's, or an audio book, right? Yes. Thank God for technology, right? Oh gosh, our lives have totally changed. They have. I love that. I'm going to steal that for my kids. I think that that's a really good tip. Yeah. You know, here's, here's when I know that it really kicked in. When I think it was fifth grade, fifth or sixth grade, my son, my youngest son, recited Pi for the math teacher. Pi. Wow. And she's like, she was in shock. She was like, what? And then she goes, how do you know that? She goes, my dad. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> so yeah. And, and that kid is just that's brilliant. Crazy. He is brilliant. Wow. He really I was is. like, I still can't get past 3.4. Like, that's where it ended. <laughs> you know, that was, a, that was the maximum of my interest in capability. That's all you need. <laughs> that's all you need. I mean, you're, uh, you're lucky I didn't say what type of pie, you know? Like, <laughs> <laughs> it's a pie. <laughs> it's a pie. <laughs> you know, one, one of the things that I, I want to get into how you became and you are helping people, entrepreneurs, businesses, all over the world, not just in Houston, in Houston, Texas, where you live. Oh yeah. But worldwide. You did not do that initially. You tell us how you got into the business world. Oh, that's easy. I got fired from my well-paying corporate job. No way. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. I got shown the I got shown the door. That's probably the best thing that ever happened to you, right? It is the, I am literally, every time the, the anniversary I was fired September 20th and the anniversary I incepted this company and had the LLC January 11th, I look up and I say, thank you to God and the universe. And I say, thank you to that company. Thank you to my insecure bosses. I'm so happy that you were threatened by me and you fired me. That was like the best gift I never knew I wanted. 
right? Right. So before yeah. we get into your firing and everything, what were you doing in the corporate world? Oh, I was doing uh, commercial interior design. So totally, totally different world. But, uh, you know, designing big office towers, office spaces for startups, all the way up to Fortune 500 companies like Bank of America, Exxon Mobil, like companies, household names that you would know. Um, and then also designing hotels. So all of that commercial space, totally different world. I, I, I loved it while I was doing it and I don't miss it at all now. Man, wasn't it fun designing stuff? It was. Oh, I mean, you could think about it. You're designing something for a company that people know the name of. Mm-hmm. And I'm not talking like a, a typical house is like 2,000 square feet. I'm talking about 500,000 square feet. Right, right, yeah. There were towers and volumes and mm-hmm. flying in fancy marble from Italy and like the finest materials. And the, you know, I've worked with billionaires who I've, wasn't actually a big fan of. I'll just go ahead and report. Um, I'm like, you know, I think that my middle, my lower middle class apartment living, just I don't think I really can fully connect with the billionaires. Um, But yeah, they were, they were some high class projects with some really high class talent. That was the most fun part, really high adrenaline. Yeah. yeah. You you and I have so much in common. I used to work in the interior design. No, you did. My my first job was for an architectural firm. Then no way. Then I went to an interior design firm, and I I was fortunate in New York. I only worked for the top companies in the world. So wow. my my job, second job that I got doing that was for the number two company in the country interior design. What's it called? Um. Oh my God! Is it B? It was it was so long ago. Um, one of them was the uh, the space design group. Yeah. The other one, and I worked for every company that I wound up working. The company got designer of the year, so I yeah. got fortunate. Um, so what wound up happening is the company that I was working for got bought out by a Japanese company. They okay. were the second largest architectural company, and they wanted to acquire. H O K. Yeah, H O K. You don't remember. I love you. No, I'm like, you. so you worked at HOK. I was at Gensler, the number one architecture and design firm okay, in the world. Okay. Yeah. You know, I tried for Gensler in New York. Yeah. I, I didn't make it, So, but that's okay. That's um, okay. HOK is basically the same. Yeah. But, you know, HOK bought out the company that I was working for. I see. And that's when I quit. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to tell you why. So th- they came and I'll make it quick. They came in and what they did is they wanted number two company and they came in and and I was acquired. I was a freelancer. The company hired me. They bought out my contract from my freelance company. And so what wound up happening is somebody told me, hey, this company's buying your company. And I said, great. Benefits, all the great stuff. Yeah, and I found out down the line they were going to get rid of a lot of people. Yeah. Well. So I went to my boss and I said, look, I don't like that. I used to do the drawings for the architectural design magazine. So wow. you need the repeater graphs and all that kind of stuff. So the new company comes in and they say, oh, we need this drawing. It's by tomorrow, four o'clock. I said, OK, I'm going to go downstairs and buy the pens. Each pen was like 30, 40, 50 bucks each, each tip of the pen. Yeah. And I need about six of them. They're like, oh, no, you can't. I'm like, why? 
I'll get reimbursed after. No, no, you have to go to corporate. So I go to corporate and then they say, okay, we got to put in a, a thing. We'll let you know. <laughs> I need to do tomorrow. This was, it was, yeah, it was 10 a.m. You know, when I was given the okay to go by the pens, 4 p.m. I was going to say 6 p.m., of course. Four. So at 5.30, I'm leaving because I'm doing, I'm going to my second job. Because I, I, I just love drawing. I worked for another company that did hotels in the Caribbean. Oh, my God. How good. This is the craziest. We didn't know this about each other. Right. This is why we're doing this podcast. So I would, I would exactly work from my... 6 to 12 at the other job, right? Just part-time. Yeah. And I would just draw all these different hotels and stuff. Yeah. And so my boss is like, where are you going? I said, I'm leaving. You have this deadline. I said, yeah. I said, well, I could have started at 10 this morning. It has to be done by 4 tomorrow. I'm like, okay. I came in. I got it done by 2. Wow. And they're like, how the heck did you? I said, well, that's why you guys hired me. Hey. So I, I did the drawing. I, I'm very fast when it comes to drawing. Yeah. And very detailed. And that's why I was the one that did the drawings for the architectural magazines. And so it, nonsense like that is what got me tired of the nonsense. Because yes. so I said to my boss, I said, look, I heard that people are getting tired. No, they're not. I said, yeah, I know. <laughs> everyone already knows. Like the, the water cooler is hot and everyone knows what's happening. So then what wound up happening is I said, do me a favor. I said, I'm ready to go. I said, and the guy who sits next to me just bought a house and has a brand new baby. Wow. Let him keep his job. If it's, if it's me, okay, I'm good. I can go. I'll get a compensation, the whole deal. I said, but if it's him, can you switch the names? He goes, no, I can't do that. Wow. He goes, I said, you have to. I said, I cannot. I'm not happy here. Now, he goes, but you've been with us. I said, I know. But since the new company, you see how what we're going through. So it came down to the wire. He goes, Raphael, it's not you. It's him. My wow. I said, what can you do? He goes, are you sure? hundred <gasps> percent. Absolutely. Oh, my God. Said, absolutely. Put my name instead. Oh. He did that. Wow. And the guy never knew it. I never told him. Yeah. Because you know what? There and then I'm, I'm out. So I'm like, okay. Wow. So at that point, you know, I was doing my own thing. And I was sitting, reading the newspaper at my girlfriend's house on a Sunday. And I'm looking and it's, it's the news day in, in Long Island. And it says, um, you know, part-time interior design, all this kind of stuff, uh, architectural draftsman. I'm like, hmm. I was like, fun. I wound up working for that lady for nine years, part-time, two days a week. That's it. No way. The same one that you gave the job to. No, 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 no. A different, a different person oh. entirely. Yeah. Okay. So two days a week. And then finally, when my son was born, I said to her, I don't have time. Yeah. And then so she's like, you can't leave me. I'm like, I'm giving you two months notice. Yeah. She said, no, 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 no. She goes, and I used to do a lot of freelance. So for my freelance, I used to get, um, at the time, this is, oh my gosh, this is 19. My son was born. In 2000, I was making freelance. I was making 325 an hour. That's amazing. And then so, amazing yeah. in the architectural world. It is. And so I don't know if you remember at one point there was a, a, a freeze. All the architects kind of lost their jobs. 
Yeah, that happens all the, that happens every recession. But I had two jobs going and then the arch, I used to work for architects too. And they were mad at me when I called them up and I said, hey, you got anything else? They were like, what are you, crazy? Nobody's got work and you're looking for more? I'm like, I'm sorry. <laughs> I still had two, two jobs. I always, I always enjoyed doing different work. So what ended up happening is that this guy, this lady said to me, well, I can't have you. So I said to her, okay, you got to double what I get. So she was paying me six, $700 an hour. That is so awesome. And then I said, I, I can't. I even had to give that up. I said, my son is more important wow. than what I'm doing here. So I said, I'll do you a favor. I'll train whoever you bring. Oh. And I'll train them. I'll train them. And so finally she brought somebody and she still called me every so often. Can you come in? I need something done. I'm like, oh my gosh. Yes, but only for one day. That's it. That's hilarious. <laughs> so oh, small wow. world, right? When you it's think a small it. world. It is a small world. That's a architecture. Commercial architecture and interior design is a tiny. Yeah. It seemed big when we were in it, but it's a tiny industry. So, so crazy that we've both done this thing. So you know exactly what I'm talking about. It's just absolutely. wild. It's just absolutely wild. And so is this martial, martial arts world that I'm in, right? Yeah. So that's why I don't only belong to that world. That's, that's part of my world. And that's how you and I met through the martial arts industry, right? That's how we met. And I, I, have, I just, my only connection to the martial arts world is my, my, my kid, my daughter doing karate, and then me being invited to speak at the event I met you at. Right. And now I can't get away from you guys. Like, you guys are like, <laughs> you guys are like legit the funnest mastermind group. I'm like, I just, I just come for fun now because it's like, it is, it's the culture of martial arts that I just, I just love it without ever having ever stepped in a martial arts studio or have ever done anything. Right. I, I did one women's self-defense course in college, but like, I kid you not, the culture is so much fun. I like all the people in it. I'm friends with all the people. Some of them are my clients now. Right. I'm just like, I love these people. I want to help them. It's just like, it's the coolest, coolest crew. Really cool. I, I got to be super honest with you. you I, Absolutely, you're right. To me, they, they feel like they're family. But I, I belong to other masterminds of other martial arts. Yeah, they're not like that. It's just this one. Yeah. The egos were huge. You know. Oh, okay. I, I, you know, if, and I always tell everybody, and, and people laugh at this, but I said, if you ever see my ego, please punch it in the face. That's hilarious. I tell my team that too, because we'll get off of a call and I'll be like, Please just remind me as a CEO that I like never come across like that or bulldoze over what you're saying or, or just push you to the side as I take over the, I'm like, please, please, please. You have permission. Just pull me aside and be like, you're acting crazy and you need to like take a time out. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. You know, let, let me ask you this, right? You had to recreate yourself. Yes. Wow. Yeah. What, what was that deciding factor? Because you're going from, you know, doing all this interior design. You know, it's, it's a world by itself. And I know it because I've been in it, right? Yeah. But you totally left that world. Obviously, if, if you need to do anything for yourself, you can. I did my custom house and uh, people would ask me, hey, can I get your help? And I'm like, no, 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 no. You can't afford me. <laughs> I don't do residential and the only residential I will do is 
literally for myself and then that's it like (laughs) exactly you redefined you yeah why i didn't have a choice i didn't like who i was Mm. i you know like i have so much passion literally passion is pulsating in my veins like i can feel it like i can feel passion floating around and there was fire in my veins and I felt it for a long time for interior design. It made me an absolute, you know, badass at what I do. But I had fallen out of love with the profession. So even, you know, I got fired from the job. I started my own commercial interior design boutique. I hit 10K my first month in business. Just boom. Had a six-figure business the first year I was in business. Like I made it successful. That wasn't the issue. The talent wasn't the issue. The getting talented people to work on projects weren't the issue. Getting cool projects, not the issue. But the issue was, I didn't like the industry anymore. Mm. I didn't like the complications of how many people you needed, 15 people in a room to make any minute decision of what shade of concrete do we want this shade of concrete to be that we've already narrowed it down to medium warm gray but now we have to look at three different samples of it and have 15 people make a decision i was like this is just turned preposterous like this isn't fun anymore Mm. um it just turned into everything turned into like design by committee and everything was cya cover your ass so like you would be it would be always like the interior design and architect pitted against the contractor and i just I didn't like all that drama. And so I slowly but surely realized I thought I'd fix all the problems, Raphael, when I made my own firm. But I realized that in order to do a commercial project, you need general contractor, all of their subs, architect, you need the owner, interior designer, the landscaper, the food and beverage specialist, like mm-hmm. the, the MEP engineer, you need so structural engineer, you need so many trades to come together that there just wasn't enough people that I could bring together. And it was just really tired of being the fearless leader over and over again to just try to get people to listen to one another so that we can have an amazing project, but also have an amazing experience because we live in abundance and we trust and respect one another, mm-hmm. not in scarcity where we're all worried that we're going to get fired from our job. And I fell out of love of that. I did. I did. The coordination became more effort than what was worth. And lucky for me, the timing was right because COVID hit. Uh, My business had gotten slow. Like in February, before COVID hit, February 2020, I made 1K Mm. of revenue, which I knew was bad. The business had slowed down. Then March of 2020, COVID hit, and I knew commercial real estate was going to be decimated. I was like, no one's going to be in these buildings, which means there are no projects or renovations, everything's going to go on haul. And so what I actually tried to do was bring home offices because I knew everybody would be working virtually and be working from home and having to straddle like a kid's playroom or their master bedroom with an office. I tried to bring that offer online. And this is a great example of everyone you know tells you, yeah, that's great. Oh my God, that solves an enormous problem. You're right. Okay, so what if I what if I charge like five hundred dollars for a consultation? Oh no, no, no! I don't really want it for myself. I just think it's a great idea for you to do. So they loved the idea, but the market didn't really want it enough to where they would pay for that service mm-hmm. to have a commercial interior designer who specializes in office 
make sure your home environment is the perfect place for you to be working from distraction free ergonomics in play, you know, focus time. It didn't, so it didn't translate. So through that, you can call it a failure. It was, it, it was a failure to launch. I didn't even sell one of them. Um, so much hype. Nobody wanted to buy it. Mm. Through that on accident, when I was feeling bad for myself, like, God, here I go again, like, can't get this thing to work. I was scrolling in social media and I was part of my own first business mastermind. And I kept seeing all these online coaches post these horrible logos and be like, hey, guys, I got this made on Fiverr. What do you think of logo A or logo B? And then, you know, sassy B. And I'd come out, I'd be like, are you guys kidding? These are both horrible representations of a brand. Like, what is, what is this online world? Like, you guys don't know what branding even is. And so I realized that I had picked up this other profession, branding, graphic design, without ever being formally trained in it, but just being in so many commercial spaces, mm. working with Fortune 500 brands. I got it. I understood it. So I literally started doing it as a reaction to please stop putting these fugly brands online. And then people started asking me to do their stuff. And then and then I, and then they started asking me for business advice. And I'm like, I'm not a coach. I'm not a coach. I'm not a coach. I'm not a business coach. I don't even know what I'm doing in my business. Mm. And after about nine months of that being rammed down my throat, people were like, well, you give me better business advice than my coach that I spent 36,000 on a year for their mastermind. And I'm like, did you just say $36,000? They're like, yeah, that's what I'm paying my mastermind. And I was like, okay, well, what do you mean business coach when you think of me as your business? (laughs) Yes. I got, I got really interested in what that meant. And then that's how branding started. And that's how business coaching started. I let the market tell me what they really wanted. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's it, without you realizing it, everyone was speaking to you, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's beautiful. Yeah. Thinking about yes. what you've said. And I, I love the fact that you said it several times. And I know you didn't do it on purpose, but you did. You used the word. I'm like, what happened? I don't know. I just. You used the word launch. Oh, oh, oh. No, no. I definitely, I definitely didn't mean to do that. I know, but it's beautiful. <laughs> that was so totally amazing enough. that now your brand is called launch or, or is it? T- tell me about how that came about. Yeah. Super cool. Yeah. Well, I couldn't name my own brand because like, why would you be able to do anything for yourself that you do for people? So I had named my husband's practice Lift Plastic Surgery and he loved it. And it was such a cool name. And, you know, I was struggling with my own business name. And then he came back and was like, you know, coming with ideas. I was iterating through everything. And then afterward, he, you know, brought up the word launch. And I was like, I kind of like it, but I don't really know because I wanted to come up with it myself. Right, right. I wanted to tell him I didn't like it as I like waited to see why I didn't like it. And I didn't have a good reason. Hmm. And it started to click to me, but it was, you know, there's, there's a lot of meaning that's developed from launch and the full company name is launch design. Cause you know, I used to mm-hmm. do interior design, but I did a DBA right off the bat to say launch design, DBA launch. Cause I knew something in me before I had stopped doing the interior design knew that design wasn't just going to be it, but that was like, that was a divine message. That was a divine message sent to my subconscious. I had no idea that I would develop into this business coach, branding strategist person. I didn't even know what those words meant, to be totally honest with you at that time. And so the word launch, it really means, 
I liked it because I did not want my namesake. I did not, the brand, I never felt, even when I did my design work, that it should be about me. I am merely the curator. And so do I have talents involved? Yes. But half of my talent is listening to what the other party is saying in such an in-depth way that I hear things that are not being said that intuitively allow me to design at a completely different level. Mm. And same is true for branding. And so the the concept of launch is to be able to take somebody, something, a product, a business, and take them and launch them to their next level, Mm. launch them hopefully to the moon. And maybe after the moon, we go to Saturn or whatever, Mars. But we are merely, as a part of the launch team, including myself, we're just the rocket fuel. We pour rocket fuel into people's rocket ships. That's what we're great at doing. We're the catalyst. And so, you know, our some of our um, handles and stuff, we named We Launch You. And it puts the perspective really clear on, we believe in like the Ritz-Carlton mentality, like the customer and the client is the central focus. Like they deserve a five-star world-class experience. And so that concept of launch turned into, now we launch brands, we launch people into the next version of them that they didn't even know was within them. And it is mm. it is um, a gratifying set of things to be able to provide out in the world. It's really, really gratifying. Wow, that is huge. You know, and, and when we think about the fact that you named your husband's company <laughs> and yeah, he kind of helped you name yours, but it's that teamwork, right? You guys are, yeah. we, we talk about mindset, right? Obviously he, he's, he's in your corner, you're in his corner, right? 100%. And obviously you guys are always communicating. And I think that for a, a great marriage, that's what we need, right? Yeah. And sometimes people think that only a marriage is between two people. A marriage can be between you and all your employees, right? Yeah, totally. I see what you're saying. Yeah. It, it's it's that communication, right? Yeah. And and I, I love the, the branding part because at our event, people were coming and showing you their logos. You used to like, that's ugly. I know. I was just like ripping them. What is that? Apart. What do you think? I was like. You think you're a world champion black belt? Watch me like disintegrate you <laughs> on this patio. Oh man, I don't think people should ask me branding questions while I'm having a drink. I'm starting to see that that turns into, I already don't have a filter, Raphael, and then the filter is 100% removed. Um, and then people, you know, it's just bloody out there. But like, hey, it was if you're going to ask me a question, if you're going to ask me a question, you better be prepared to get the truth. but you know what i I think that that's what separates you from everybody else because i'm gonna just say you don't bullshit you you tell the truth because here's the thing right and you said it before and you know that get different book by michael kalowicz one of the things that he says in there is that when you put out a product and you think it's the greatest thing the people that are going to lie to you are the people that love you, your friends, your family. Oh, yeah. Because they're going to support you. They're going to go, great idea. Just like when you said, I'm going to do the home offices. Office stuff, yeah. So what happens is when you actually ask strangers and they pay for it, that is where you're really, that's the people who you really should be asking. That's true. You know, and, and it's it's cool to have support from your family and your friends. But when, 
when it comes down to like, hey, will you pay me $500? Oh, well, no, I was just thinking it's good for you. And, and I like the fact that you said that because a lot of people, they'll support you because they love you, because they care about you. Yeah. But are they going to tell you the truth? That's such a great point. That is an amazing They're not. point. Yeah. You're totally right. You're totally right. They're, they're, they're biased. They're biased towards loving you and they, and they don't want their words to hurt or inflict pain. Um, and you're absolutely right. Like you've got to get, you know, and we know this, we're both, you know, in the coaching world is that you have to get an unbiased opinion and you have to pay for it. Please stop taking free opinions, guys. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Everyone has an opinion. They may not be qualified to give you their opinion. And you should be able to qualify people on whose opinions you take. And so there's there's just too much free advice giving out in the world. Like, go pay for good mentors. They'll get you ahead in the world, you know? And if you make a mistake with one mentor, you'll still learn something. Don't be afraid. Pick the next mentor. You'll still learn different things from different mentors. We all need them. Any stage you're at, any level you're at. You know, what people don't realize is that when you go for free, yeah, it costs you sometimes double, triple, quadruple amounts. It does. You know, free, there is no such thing as free, right? There is no such thing. There is no such thing. I mean, don't get me wrong. You pay in your energy. You pay in the time. You pay in your attention, right? What were you going to say? What were you adding to that? There are gifts sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> right? There are gifts. Sometimes those are free. Yeah. But they're rare. And it's usually by people who care about you. Yeah. Now, if you go to an event and it's totally free, it's not. Because you said it. You're paying with your time. You're paying with, guess what? At the end of every free event, either you better book early or you're going to get sold. That's it. That's, that's how it is, right? Yeah. Yeah. But when you go to an event or you pay for a coach who actually has their best interest for you, yes. it's different. Listen, I've paid for coaches that were very expensive. And guess what? They were reading from a script. I'm like, what yeah. is going on? Right. So I had to drop them, right? And yeah. I, you have to drop, because, you know, the thing is you have to do your due diligence. If you're going to hire a coach, they better know more than you. They yeah. Have to, right? Yep. And you have to get better at picking who that coach is. You know, like sometimes you might get, you know, sometimes it might get good for a while. Sometimes you find the right person. And, you know, a lot of times what I've been noticing now is that people tap out too early and they don't know that they had a long runway of growth left. And it's, it's sad. It's not just for me and my programs, but I've now watched it as a lover of people and observer of people. I've studied this. People leave these environments that got them to a level. And oh man, it is like clockwork that they just descend right down back to where they were. And I was like, I don't think you were ready. Just because you finished the modules does not mean you were ready to leave the environment. Environment has a big piece to do with it. It's not all on the coach. It's also the other people who are in the room. And how are you showing up? Let's take some self-accountability. How are you showing up to that room in order to reciprocate what you need out of it? I mean, that's huge because a lot of people will go to an event and they expect someone else to do the work for them. No. Yeah, they want to be served. 
serve me the knowledge, serve me how I'm going to get to 50 K months. And I literally, you saw me at this last one. I'll like laugh in their face. Mm-hmm. I'm like, go ahead and close your notebook. This won't work for you. Right. If you don't want to do the inner work and envision your vision and spend the time to stretch your mind, you're not getting there. So go ahead and quit on me now. It's not going to work for you. Right. You know, <laughs> I'm like, nobody, nobody has a magic pill, by the way, I paid for a lot of different things. There's nobody out there who has a magic pill, not even Tony Robbins. Nobody has a magic pill. You've got to do the work. Without the work, there is no benefit. There is no success, right? And a lot of people don't. But also, here's the thing, right? Because a lot of people will do the work, but they have the wrong coach. Yeah, that happens too. You're right. That happens too. Yeah, and you got to keep going. Like. I have so many people on my calls who are lamenting over 10, 20, 30 K they paid someone else. And I'll be like, listen to them compassionately. And then I'll be like, okay, are you ready to move on? Like, cause I'm like, you're not with the coach anymore. So like you could either take the rest of this time complaining to me about what happened to you victim, or maybe we could actually look at what went wrong for you. And if there's a possibility to fix that, which one do you want to do? I'm down to listen to you. And the minute I call them up, they're like, Oh my God, here I am just wasting my life away, lamenting over it. But people don't understand. If you spent 30K and it didn't work out the way you thought it did, you still took one step further up. Mm-hmm. Not, mm-hmm. All, not all wins are monetary, people. Like, remember to count NMWs is what I call them, non-monetary wins. Do not forget those. They are oftentimes more foundational and more important. Wow. Nigel, you just gave dating advice. Thank you. Thank you. I, <laughs> I have not dated in a long time, but I have gotten my best friend married to a man she's really happy with. Right. Um, so I am, I like setting people up in love too, because I get invited to a wedding that I get to dance at. That's it. <laughs> no, when, when I talk about dating advice is, is, is you're so right. You, you can't come to a new coach and just complain, right? Yeah. It's like on a new date. You don't go and complain about your ex, right? Yeah. That, that, that's nonsense. So how do we move forward? How do you help someone understand that, hey, and you said it, you spent 30K. Okay, now what? Yeah. Are you willing to go to the next level? Because if you're just going to go, oh, I spent 30K, instead, instead of thinking of like, what's next, how do we get there, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah, I just, I like to give people a choice because that's where power comes from is choosing who you want to be. So in that moment, at least as of yet, I haven't anyone choose, yes, I want to continue to complain. Um, I haven't had anybody choose that because they don't realize most people aren't self-aware like these, you know, that you and I are, and some people who are listening to this might be really self-aware. People aren't self-aware that they're lost in their own story, in their mind, and they're ruminating on a problem. Mm-hmm. Um, but rumination, complaining, doing all of that stuff, venting, it doesn't help. It just keeps you stuck there. And I will actually, so part of how I get people through it is I listen to them really in depth for a while. So they have a they have the ability to take the emotion and dump some of the energy. And then I stop and I, I just simply ask them the question. I give them the choice mm. when they get to pick it, that little minute, like, wait a second, shoot. I wasn't self-aware. Oops. I didn't know I did this. Ooh, I have the power of choice and I do get to control the narrative. 
Then I get to kind of, oh, okay, we're going to all, we're going to go left together. Okay, they're down to do this. I've been given permission by them to then coach them to the next rung of where they want to go. That's, that's amazing. And when we think about, you know, the fact that we have to admit that we've made mistakes, right? Totally. And, and, but a lot of people, and even, even with branding, right? Sometimes, listen, it doesn't always work. That's why I guess you, you have your A and B testing and all that kind of stuff. But when we come to branding, the question that I have for you is we've made mistakes, whether it's business or personal. What's the difference for a person or a business to go ahead and, and really go for their branding? What is the difference between personal branding and business branding? Great question. Two different questions you're asking me. So I'm going to start with the last one first, and then I'll go backward. Personal branding is Sifu Rafael Gomez. That is your personal brand. You do not rename a personal brand. You have been named. That is your personal brand. But your personal brand is not you as a human being. Like, I don't know you like your kids know you. Your personal brand is you deciding, hey, this is one to three messages that I'd like to to be purposeful and intentional about to put them out in the world. So for example, I just did a personal brand for a guy um, and his personal brand is based on entrepreneurship, investing, and philanthropy. Mm. Those are his three pillars for what his personal brand stands for. The guy's uber successful. He's 24. His business is about to go to a million dollars a month in revenue. Mm. Um, And he has multiple other things he's in, right? You don't, People are not typically just genius in one lane, right? They're they're a lot like you and I are, where we there's too many things. We love being the jack of all trades. We just we can't stop it, you know. There's a place for people like us who aren't as much the specialist. We we love becoming specialists in too many things. And um, so you take your personal brand and you can curate and you decide methodically what would I like the world to see because it should be tied. So what is your vision and what is the impact and change you want to see in the world? That's a personal brand. Oftentimes, it is not directly connected to any type of revenue. It's to put yourself out there as like a public figure to stand for something. Imagine your legacy. Like everyone wants money until they have it. Once people have money, they're like, is this it? When people get money and they become wealthy, they're just like, I'm not really fulfilled. Why am I not fulfilled? How come I'm not happy? How come I have like all the Gucci and Louis Vuitton and Chanel bags in the world? And I live in Miami in this condo and I just feel totally empty inside. And they realize that like, wait, I thought it was all going to happen when I had money, but they can't buy fulfillment. So then they want fulfillment. And then after the fulfillment, they try to get there. They realize the easiest, strongest way to fulfillment for most human beings is to help other people. And that's where impact comes into play. So it's like this hierarchy that we chase. That's a personal brand. Business brand is more straightforward. Most businesses are for profit. And so they're trying to create an impression, a three-dimensional person for you to believe that you are buying from a person, you know their name, that's their company name, you know what they sound like, that's their brand tone of voice or their copy, you know what they look like, their logo, their fonts, their colors. And then you start to have a connection with them and you start to become loyal. Like think about the amount of people who love Tesla. As a company, think about the amount of people who love Richard Branson and all his Virgin Atlantic brands. Like I love 
the dude just because of who the dude is, right? So that Richard Branson has an amazing personal brand. His personal brand has more followers than any of his Virgin Atlantic hotels or airlines combined. Right. Yeah, because he's that pervasive of a person. So that's kind of the difference. In terms of mistakes, I'm going to paint this as a big, broad stroke. People need to get really comfortable with mistakes. I don't care if you're an entrepreneur or you were like me and you were trying to climb the corporate ladder. My dad always says this in, in his Indian accent. He says, failure is a pillar of success. And he's right. Failure is a pillar of success. There is, if you talk to any super successful person out there, they paint you a grim but true picture. There's nine failures to every win you have. So get used to the ratio. It's lose, 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 win. Lose, lose. I'm not going to say it again, but you get the point. Mm -hmm. Imagine that now with every time you lost, you're like, oh, just another one. And instead of getting deflated, you're like, oh, great. I ticked one off. You know, it's like when you're trying to win something and you get the coupon that says you need 10 things until you get the free ice cream. You're just one sticker away. You need to reframe your relationship with mistakes and failures and understand nobody of any dimension got to where they are without experiencing that and start getting comfortable with the level and the ratio of failure points that you're going to have. And then you, then you're just literally unstoppable. You could have all the ice cream cones on the planet at that point. <laughs> Unending cones. <laughs> you know, what, one of the things that I do is obviously I, I love to journal, right? And for me, my journaling is, 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 become this strange monster, if you will. Mm. Because what I do is I, I, in a big book, I just journal everything, right? I write everything down. Then I, I, I go back, I review it, and I put it into another journal. Wow. And then I go back and I look at that and I put it into another journal. And then sometimes I even go to a fourth journal. And so I highlight things and then I copy that into my final journal. And That's so cool. It's it's so much fun because all of a sudden it's like it takes me from wow I can't believe I wrote that but why did I write it and then let me re revisit it and then see how it it really comes out what was I really thinking because sometimes yeah. I'll be waking up in the middle of the night and I have these thoughts in my head I'm like I gotta write this stuff down this is crazy stuff I've had names of books come out I've had ideas all these different things but if I don't take it from my head down to paper, but not only just one time is not enough. Just throw it away. No, no. So what I do is I reinvestigate, I reinvestigate. I, I go back, I go back, I go back. And I also notice sometimes I'll go back a couple of months and I'll go, man, what the heck was I really thinking? <laughs> right? So that's all my mistakes. And I'm like, thank God I didn't act on it. But because I was able to re look at it, reinvestigate it, rethink it, it gave me a better idea down the end. I love that idea. I love mistakes because it, it allows me to create. Right? Oh, that's a really, I love that. That is, that's, that's like earth shattering what you just shared there. Like, like, I want to do that. Like, I'm going to do that. I think that sounds Excellent. Um, you're like a, it's almost Raphael, you're like a forensic scientist of your life and you're trying to, you're trying to patch it together and the level of detail and analysis and care. Think about how much care and intention that's being put there. I can just imagine the profound 
takeaways you get from that because the thoughts and the reflections are building on one another. And it's almost like you are like highlighting the highlighted, highlighted yeah. parts over and over again. And, yeah. and I think that there's something really special about that. Yeah. But you know, one of the things that, that has helped is that, you know, and I've read it a thousand times is that when you think it right, when you write it down, you kind of go at it, Cement it. a second time. Yes. But now, not only am I writing it again and again and again, yeah. but now I'm narrowing it down, right? I'm, I'm getting to what the real point was. Because so many times our thoughts are all over the place. You know, how, many, how many messages as a marketing genius that you are, how many messages do we get in a day, in an hour, the minute you leave your house, right? Everywhere you go, you know, your drive. If we were... To look at everything, we'd have an accident for sure. <laughs> right? We'd crash. So yeah. it's it's so difficult for so many of us, especially when we go through social media. Yeah, I can tell you that if social media was around twenty years ago, it would be different today. Yeah, right? it's evolved even in the short time it's been with us. Because it totally is, and it will continue to. Here's a funny video I saw today: monkey scrolling through social media i saw that today oh my god and the monkey found other monkeys that people had videotaped and he so, was like and feeling imposter syndrome <laughs> probably and he was but here's the thing this he was is gonna watching. be my chance to be a tiktok star i told yes. mama <laughs> so, rest in peace mama monkey i still have your banana peels like right. what? but it, the craziest thing and you, and you look at the monkey, crazy. you can see the monkey looking at a video of a monkey doing something and then it stops it and then it goes to the social media, the whole thing, and it's scrolling. This monkey, monkey see, monkey do. Yeah. We're so, not different. No, and then somebody, We're not different. somebody said something and I was like, you know, that kind of looks like my kids sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, boom. And it looks like so many people that we see on social media. So what is it? And you talked about it before, the colors, the scheme, the layout. What is it that can separate your brand from the billions of brands that we see every day? What is that one thing? And, and we don't know, right, until we actually dive deep. But I want to hear it from you. We have to dive deep, but it is, it is literally the brand differentiator. Why are you different than everyone else? Hmm. Why is your martial arts studio different than everyone else? Why is your coaching podcast different than the hundreds of thousands of coaching podcast interviews that are out there? How am I different as a brand person? So what happens is that people will take a course or they'll learn an industry and they stay so tight and narrow in that lane that they don't realize that you have to have a different secret ingredient to make your stand out. Think about how many pizza companies there are. Let's use a normal analogy. People understand how many places can you buy pizza? Sometimes there's 10 on a block. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Right. In New York. <laughs> yeah, exactly. In New York, Chicago too, right? Mm -hmm. Like I'm in Houston and there are some of those companies that you and I can get the same pizza. Right. We could both dial in today and get the same pizza, but that pizza, Pizza Hut tastes totally different than Papa John's. Right. They're still making pizza. But they spent a lot of time, energy, some money 
to figure that out. And that's where they set. That's where they have their laurels are resting on the fact that they are different and different is good because different attracts your tribe. That's it. That's the number one thing. What is your secret sauce? What is your secret sauce? And I love when people are like, we just really care about our customers. I'm like, oh, shut up. You and everyone else on the planet. Well, we stand for integrity. And I'm like, so does Bank of America. Hmm. And then they'll be like, oh, you're right. And so this falling into, don't fall for your own BS stories that like, we're just, we're just really good at what we do and our people love us. Well, that is the most generic, boring fly by. I'm going to scroll right by you answer. And you know, you'd do the same if I told you the same about me. Oh yeah, yeah, you're right. I wouldn't do that for you. I just think people do that for me. Well, no, they do the same. They're scrolling by you. So people think that they're just going to get clients because they make other clients happy. That's how you have an unsteady referral-based business. That's like some months were really high up because Susie finally talked to the school and we got a bunch of sales in and then your sales plummet and then you go up and you go down. Referrals are great, but you cannot have an only referral-based business if you actually want to consistently grow and scale your revenue. So that's it. There's so many more pieces to branding, but you asked me the number one thing. That is what it is. And then people falsely try to answer the question. Be honest with yourself. You don't know. If you've not worked with a skilled brand strategist, I would be shocked if you have an answer that's good enough to pass my test. Most people would not be able to pass your test. No. And that's why they asked me for feedback. And I'm like, this sucks. This is so boring. This is like you and 500 million other digital marketing agencies out there. And they're like, dang, you're right. Let me go pick up my ego in the corner. You just knifed me. And I'm like, but it's true. So when you're, when you're done healing, come back. And then let's talk about what it is that makes you special. Mm-hmm. They like that part. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You know what makes my, my show special? I'm going to be honest with you. I want to hear it. You. Oh, your guess. I guess. Yeah. And, and you know, when, when I looked into doing this, I was actually going to do a martial arts podcast. And, you know, you, know, you, you and I talked about how small our industries really are. Yeah. And when I look into the industry of martial arts, it's very small, tiny compared yeah. to the coaching world. And when we talk about coaching, everybody, a lot of people think, oh, it's sports. No, you got financial coaching, you got business coaching, you got color coaching, you got everything, right? And when, who were our first coaches? Our parents, right? Or our caretakers, whoever they were. So for our teachers. Yeah. Every one of them. So for me, when I started looking into this, it took me nine months before I came up with even the name because I did my due diligence. There is no other show like mine, period. Love it. And I did my research. Now, there may be copycats, and that's that's nice. It is. When I looked into it, there's a lot of coaching podcasts out there, but they're specific. Maybe it's a football coach or an MMA coach or you know, a golf coach or something like that, but not one like my show where I talk to amazing people like yourself who, who really deliver content that my listeners can actually say, that makes a lot of sense. I right. want to reach out. So for me, when you said yes, man, <laughs> that lit me up. Aww. Because, you know, I, listen, you're very, very, on fire, obviously. But when we met, 
man, we had an instant connection. We did. Yeah. We did because you didn't bullshit. That's what I loved about you. And you were honest. Listen, you came in, you did your presentation. You could have left like everybody else does. No, you hung around and you were still, still helping people way after hours. You were like, let me help you with this. Let me tell you why this is this is this way or this is that way. That is the kind of person that I love having on my show. So thank you for being here today. Oh, thank you. Getting emotional. That is really sweet of you to say that, observe it. The truth. It's the truth. Oh, thank you. You know, just like you, I don't bullshit. I I tell it like it is. (laughs) You know, I've even called out coaches on my show. Like I had somebody say something. I'm like, wait a minute. I don't believe that. And (laughs) But but here's the thing, right? If we're not able, if you don't have thick skin, why are you in the game? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally, totally. Well, thank you for that. And, you know, I have to, I just have to say this other piece because, you know, brand differentiation is something I do. And uh, I'm going to call you up and say, it's not just your guests. It is you are, you're the node in the bicycle. You're that middle piece and things come from you. Like one of the reasons I did say yes, and we do say no to people or I don't reply because we're too busy. And I had two podcasts this week as opposed to my limit to one. Um, But I wasn't going to move this because you matter to me. You're important to me and your message matters to me. But you, in your own right, have your own character and energy and passion. And I would just frame it this way for you. You have an insatiable curiosity that attracts people to you. So your guests aren't just coming to you because you asked them to be on it. They're willing and wanting to do this and have an experience with you on the show because you brought something to them, too. So I just want to point that out and say, oh, thank you. That about you. I've seen you now twice in person and you also carry a beautiful energy about you that is attractive. And I would just canopy it to say, you've got an insatiable curiosity and I love it. You know, somebody asked me, I, I appreciate you saying that. Somebody asked me, well, why are you doing the show? I said, selfish reasons. <laughs> <laughs> because I want to know. I'm curious, you know. And, and yeah, yeah. <laughs> one of the things that I, when I do teach kids, I said, and, you know, parents wind up doing this and maybe don't realize it. They always tell the kids, stop asking why. And I'm like, no, I tell my kids and I tell all the kids, whoever is in front of me, I say, guys, if anybody tells you stop asking why, maybe don't say it out to them. But yes, in your mind, continue to always ask why and what. How is this working? Why yeah. is this working? What am I supposed to do behind this, right? I and love that. Doesn't that go with branding? Too? I knew it was insatiable curiosity. I just felt it in my blood yeah. that that's your thing. That's a beautiful message for kids. And oftentimes people don't know, people don't, I've told my kids too before. I'm like, hey, sometimes when you, I've, I've used myself as the example. I go, hey, sometimes when you ask me questions why the sky is blue, the reason I don't answer is I just don't remember and I don't know. And they're like, aren't you an adult? I'm like, good point. But when I remembered why legitimately the sky is blue, I don't remember it anymore because I don't use that information. And they're like, wait, so like, we're like smarter than you. I'm like in a lot more ways than, you know, <laughs> you know, one of the things I love doing is learning from everybody. I learn from kids. Yeah. 
You know, they're so amazing. They say the darndest things too. They do. They're so much more fun. We can learn a lot from kids and really anybody who's around us. If you stop and you've had that growth mindset, have the growth mindset and you're eager and you're hungry to learn, you'll never be in any situation where you're not learning. Uh, And you get a dopamine hit from learning. It's fun. Like there's a, there's a emotional, like hormone chemical reaction that happens to learning. This is why I love being on podcasts. Mm. Um, It's so fun. Like, like, look at this, like this conversation is, is just, it's so much fun for me. Like I'm really happy in my body. Oh, nice. Nice. You you know, one of the things that that when we think about communication, right. And and a lot of people, they take things the wrong way Mm. because maybe they're not listening intently. Right. So a lot of times, They'll listen to someone and they'll make their own opinion instead of asking, what did you mean? Explain what you're saying. So yeah. how, do we, how do we come across, and obviously I'm asking you another branding question, how do we come across someone who's scrolling through and really capture them that quickly to say, wait a minute, let me stick here. Let me find out more. What's, is it? You have you colors. Is it is it no. the words? Is it? It's not the color. It's here. It's not the colors. Mm. Um, Instagram is like one of the only platforms who actually cares about branded content. Don't use it on Facebook. It's not that the brand. This is about brand voice. Brand voice. What are your core values? What is your copy? What is your tone of voice? What can I expect from you? How do you sound? And beyond the brand part of it, of knowing those pieces of. You have to know your mission. You have to know your vision. You have to know who are you speaking to. Please don't tell me you're talking to everyone. If you're talking to everyone, you're talking to nobody. Right. It's just truth. That's not like, a, oh, let me not hurt your feelings. It's just the truth. Here's the bigger, here's a question that you were asking. And I'm going to go one step further because I know what you were really asking. You have to know that person who's scrolling. You have to know more about them than they know about themselves, which means you need to do the research. You need to do the market research. You need to study these people. You need to get on the phone with them. You need to ask them questions. You need to record your conversations. You need to have otter.ai so you can read the transcript of what they're saying. You need to do this crazy journaling system that Sifu has in place where you take their thoughts and then you have a second version of their thoughts. And then what else are they thinking? What else? What are they saying to themselves when they wake up at 3 a.m. at night? What are their biggest fears? What are their huge pain points? What are their regrets? What do they like to do for fun? Who do they like to hang out with? What's their relationship like with their mom? What's their favorite podcast like? What about their books? What about their movies? What brands do they shop from? Who do they want to be? Who do they, what message do they need to hear that they didn't even know, but it is, and you are entering a conversation happening in their brain. How can you do that if you do not know this person inside and out? Much like, like, like a mother and a son or a father and a daughter or whatever. I'm not parents and kids is what I mean to say mm-hmm. that level where, you know, when you can, you feel it, you're like, I know my kids not like they're off. Something's off with them. You feel it. They don't say anything. And they walk in. You're like, what's wrong? What's wrong? What's wrong? You need to know your prospect. You need to know your audience. You need to know your avatar at that level. And so if you want to be lazy about it and you want to do half the effort, great. I love it because people will keep scrolling you and they'll stop at me. You have to spend the time to know them 
at that super deep level. You need to be married to them. Back to your analogy you used earlier. You need to love your prospect. You need to be married to them. You need to know all their dimensions and sides. That's huge, right? Be married to your prospect. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. And in that, in that, this there's a self-discovery. So how are you supposed to know someone else when you don't really know yourself? It doesn't work, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So here's my question to you. If you had to be known for one thing, one thing only, what would that be? To help people find their empowered voice. See how fast it came out? Because that's that's your passion. That's it. It's in it's it pulsates in my vein. I wake up with it. I see it. I have it happening all around me. I've been encouraged by people over and over and over again. We've gotten so many clients' results. My mentors are in my face, whooping my butt to be like, you better get out in the world and use your voice because that is your, that your voice combined with your energy and you are changing the world, period. Um, but that is what, that is what I was put on this planet to do is to help other people find their empowered voice. Who were they really meant to be? What would they say if they were at the highest form of self-confidence or self-actualization? What would they say if they weren't so freaking scared about what other people are going to think? How would they come across to the world? What would they do? What videos would they shoot? What would they teach people if they had the moment and the chance? You ask people when they're older and they're like in their 80s what their number one regret is. One of their number one regrets is that they wished they had played a bigger game. They wished that they had gone after their bigger dreams. That's what they wish for. When they're 88 and they made the money, they had the steady, secure job and they raised the beautiful kids and went on to have their own families. Their regret is, wow, I wish I would have bet on myself and taken a bigger risk or jumped in for the bigger dream I had. I wish I would have bet on myself. I want to be valiantly raging relentlessly in that person's corner to find what that is about them and get it out in the world. Right, right. No, huge. And, you know, to live with regrets later or during your life. Yeah. It's it's not a way to live. No. Not for me. Nope. So one of the, the statements I've heard a million times over and over and over again by people, and I'm wondering, and I'm going to ask you this, a lot of people say, the way people see me is none of my business. How true is that when it comes to branding yourself? It's a little different for branding. As a person, I agree. People's opinion about you are none of your business. In terms of a brand, there's a Jeff Bezos quote that I believe in heavily, and it's just true. Your brand is what people say about you when you leave the room. Now, let's get one distinction clear, and that's why it'll make sense why I can say and, like yes and, um, is you as a person, no, I don't want you to care about what other people say about you. It's none of your business. You, if you're wearing the hat of this is my personal brand and I'm curating a message out there, yes, you need to know, was the message received on the other end just like a two-way communicator? I sent a message. Did you receive it? Yes, you did. Okay, cool. What did it sound like to you? has to be, even with a personal brand. And with a business brand, the same thing. Even more so, it's distant from you. Hey, we're saying to our customers, we do this thing, we provide this service, we do this product, we coach, we consult on this. Okay, well, what is the market saying back about us to each other? You need to know that because then you can change what the messaging is going out the door. It's your job to know that. 
when it comes to your branding, but don't take it personal. And that's where they come back to. It's just business. It's not personal, even though it feels really personal. Most feels very personal on a lot of days, but it's not. I guess that's why celebrities have publicists, right? Exactly. And that's why celebrities still lose it sometimes on Twitter or Instagram when they keep getting heckled and harassed by the paparazzi and people. Can you imagine? Mm. Like they're still humans. There's a point where they hit a breaking point where they just can't take being bullied by people. And I, and I honestly, I feel for them. Mm-hmm. I get it now. I get it now. When you become, when you become a bigger name online, which I am nowhere near that, like at all. But when, when you do start to actually get a following and yeah, I get DMS from people that are trying to like check my tone or check my message. And you're like, wait, Mr. Bob, who I have no idea who you are, but you think, you know, my entire personage enough to where you want to course correct my message. So you start to get more feedback um, and you start to be seen in a different light and people will check you if they don't like your message um, and they've been big fans and they'll come in and tell you exactly what they didn't like and how you need to change it. Okay. When do you, when do you control what I say? Okay, Mr. Bob, but that ends up happening. No, and it does a lot. And that's where bullying comes in, right? Yeah. Not only, but look, think of us as adults, right? How do teens handle this stuff? It's, and that's why there's so many. Yeah, it's, it's unreal. Even suicides and, and nonsense like that. So let me ask you a question. When you think about branding, because that's, that's your sweet sauce, right? Mm-hmm. When you think about branding and a new client comes to you, but their branding is like, Let's be honest, just sucks, right? Mm-hmm. How do you start? I start, with, I start with why they want to, to talk. I, want to, I start with what's happening for them. What does it have to do with me? Right. What does it have to do with my branding? What does it have to, it didn't, I literally think of myself as the interviewer. I think of myself as like, I'm here and I've been put, you know, like I'm Oprah and I'm interviewing somebody. Like it has nothing to do with me. It has absolutely nothing to do with me. That's why I close at a ridiculously high close rate because you can feel it on my sales call. I may not even bring up branding until they do. I'm literally just there as a listener and somebody to cultivate and to ask and to poke to find out, hey, where is this person in pain? Why are they suffering? Or what is the pleasure point that they want and then that they're just stuck? Sometimes people are not breathing in pain. Sometimes they're doing okay. They just want to get to the next level and they want some help to get there. So they're not always breathing in pain. Sometimes they're just like, hey, I have these ideas. I have these visions. I'm kind of, I have a lack of clarity. Like, well, what should I be doing here? Sometimes it's just a lack of clarity. Yeah. And, and that's why, you know, people hire you. For that right to get yeah. that clarity to get that next level right a lot of times people literally ask me at the end of a sale i had it happen yesterday the guy's like are, and are are you gonna make a logo and stuff for us or or do we work with you and then we outsource that i'm like i take care of the branding part of it too but they're so enamored with the intangible side of branding the deep work the mission the vision the core values the brand positioning the brand messaging how are you going to stand out? What's that differentiator? They get so enamored by that that they either don't hear or don't remember that I will actually, yes, I will make the logo, but it's frosting at the cake. We do it at the end. Your launch, right? Launch design is a one-stop shop, if you will. 
some, we're more like a high level branding. Well, no, of course, of course. We're not a one stop. What, once you get to lower level graphics of like, I want my social media posts on Instagram to be matched. Well, go ahead, hire someone else. Don't hire us. We're too expensive for that. That wouldn't make any sense for your bottom line. We only do the top level branding. We want to name your company or rename it. We want to name your offer. We're going to dial in exactly what your tagline should be. So you, when in a moment, one second, people know who you are. We're going to design the logo because that's your mark. That's what everyone is judging you on. Um, we do some social media banners and then we'll give you your logo every way to Sunday with like colors and fonts and brand messaging package with the hooks um, in there. What, what will help you develop your mission and vision. So we do the hard work. We do the high value work. And then after that, I tell people, hey, you want a Facebook group banner? I'll do it for you. It's going to be expensive um, for you to do it through me. But if you only trust us at this point, which our clients get to, okay, cool. We'll do it for you. Um, which is why we do people's website design now. Sometimes we do their actual website, but sometimes people legitimately pay us a good sum of money because they understand they just want the visual. They are just like web developers do not know what you do and you've created this gorgeous brand and I only want your you and your team's eye to take my branding to life to make it my digital storefront. So we'll do that. But we're really clear on it. If I think someone's going to get something that's good enough for the business case use, I will tell someone to go use a cheaper service. Like I have no qualms about it. I often reverse sell people on branding. People come on my calls wanting to buy something. I look at their revenue and I'm like, you are not there yet. I'm not even offering you anything because you legitimately do not need this. This is how you take this next step forward. I do that all the time. That's, that's the honesty, right? That's, that's yeah. what people don't do. Everybody, yeah. they, they try to take everybody on. And I think that's, that's where you, you kind of, if you will, you, you're tainting your reputation by doing it that way, right? Exactly. And it goes back to the energy thing, right? Like, mm-hmm. think about the energy that you're putting out in the world if you're selling things to people because you needed some extra cash. Yeah. yeah. No, I, uh, I'm very much the same. I only work with people I want to work with. I. Yeah. There's people that come to me and I'm like, mm, there's other people that you can go to. Yeah. I'll, I'll direct you to them. Have a great day. You know, yeah, I, totally. I'm super nice about it. But, you know, you talked about so much stuff. I think we need three more days of you on my show <laughs> to clarify it all. Says, every time I'm on a podcast, they say the same thing. They're like, I feel like we could just go on and, and literally it's, it's, it's a compliment and it's still a surprise because it's back to the business coaching thing where I'm like, wait, I don't understand. Like, doesn't everyone have a, a lot to talk about and a lot of complexity and a lot of different encyclopedias to pull from? To me, it's so normal. I don't, I'm like, I don't think it's special. I think it's normal, right. but I'm like, okay, this is like the 10th person who said this. Cool. But there's a reason for it, right? Because it just flows out of you. You can see it. Thank you. Your energy is there. No matter what I've asked you, like, yeah, pop, 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 pop. And you, and you have it, right? And you don't even have to think twice about it because you've made it part of you. And you talked about what you do for branding, for a company who comes to you for branding. It's not necessarily the logo. It's the vision. It's the mission. Right? Exactly. That's 
That's what I'm getting. More valued. Oh, I just like, I live for finding those right ones because it, when we can help be the mirror to help partner up with someone to pull out all these beautiful things out of them and we come back and show it to them, it, it, it hits them so different. Like it changes their life. And then it changes the people that they serve. Like, it makes me so happy. I mean, 10 years ago, I was like designing things. I was picking colors and fabrics and drawing spaces. But if you look at it, it was still the same thing. I wanted to design office spaces that changed the way people felt about the company they worked at. I wanted them to feel an extreme sense of pride or whether it was energy or luxury or, you know, like we're, we're, we're techie, savvy, disruptor people, whatever the vibe was, I wanted to instill the vibe in the space. And when people came in, their brains and their energies lit up, it's the same thing. It's just different, a little bit different, but it's, it's the same core thing. So if I were to do your journal technique, like your journal, multi, your multiplying journal technique. That's the essence. That's the essence of what I enjoy doing. I love it. It's so much fun. It's so much fun. It's like, it's like a, it's a gift to be able to pull this out for people. It really is. It's a gift. It's a, I tell our clients, thank you for the honor and privilege of letting us be the one to create your business baby and put a brand on it. Like that's what it is. Mm-hmm. Like we're making a business baby for them. Um, and it's just, really hard to trust someone to be able to do that. So it's, it's just an honor and a privilege. I, I love that you said that because a lot of people, when they get to a high level, not a lot, but some people think that you're lucky to work with me. Yeah. And, and you're seeing it the other way. It's like, I'm lucky to have you as a client. That's how I feel. I am, I am privileged. And, you know, I want to thank you. And, and what else can I do for you, right? Yeah. So, yeah, I appreciate you saying that because a lot of people think the other way around. It's like, yeah. And I, I've ran into some people like that and I'm like, oh. Well, we were both in, <laughs> we were in architecture and design. So we were surrounded by enough egos who thought they were God's gift to architecture or interior design. And you're like, oh, my God, you're not even listening to what the client wants anymore. And you're about to get fired off the project because your ego. But once you climb up the self-actualization ladder, you realize that ego gets in the way of like what you really want to be at, what you really want to do. So yeah, we, and another reason we connect, we have that core value of, of humility, but it's not a low confidence humility. We have very high confidence, very high confidence. And I will sling it around given the right moment to say it. And at the same time, I also have the humility that grounds that too. And, you know, it, it's funny that I could not remember the name of the companies I work for because I've moved on. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 You're like the second largest architect, something about Japan. I'm like, yeah. it's okay. Like, you know, but you moved I on. think it was, uh, it just came to me. It was PHP. And mm-hmm. also the guy who I started working for, his name was Neville Lewis and it was his company and they bought him out, but they kept, PHP bought him out and then HOK bought those guys. But, you know, when we think about the quality of everything and someone else comes in and they don't see that, they diminish it, right? And you've seen it with so many companies. They'll take over another company and they'll bring in, they bought the company for a reason. And then they come in and they bring their own values and forget the reason why they bought the company. So they're forgetting what real 
purpose of their purchase was, right? What the gift that they bought, right? Yeah, yeah, totally, totally. So, Vigil, how can someone find you? Because, listen, I love, you post every day, and my God, sometimes that stuff is just so funny. You're very funny. You're very witty. Thank you. And, and you're very honest. And I love that. And that's why it's, it's great following you because it's like always a story. It's always something fun. And then you even ask great questions. You know? So how does someone get to know you? How does somebody follow you? Even how does somebody have a conversation with you because they say, wow, I want to take my business or my personal brand to the next level. Absolutely. Yeah. So on Facebook, if you just look me up, Bijal, B-I-J-A-L um, dot launch, which you can spell that part. So it's Bijal, B-I-J-A-L dot launch. Um, same handle for Instagram at B-I-J-A-L dot launch. If you want to check out our website and just scope, you can just go to we launch you dot design. Mm-hmm. And so you can find our website there. So Kept my name out of it so it's easier to spell. And then you just spell the U out. Um, but that's the easiest way to find this is uh, add me as a friend. Um, sometimes I forget to add people as a friend. Um, so you might actually have to follow me on Instagram or send me a direct message. But we are actually doing something really exciting that people can jump into um, if they're interested. We're doing a masterclass on the secrets of personal branding. And so crazy is a lot of what we talked about here today. But it's going to be in a teacher student type format. So there's going to be a set of slides. I'm going to teach for 60 minutes. Um, it's going to be chock full of actionable steps that you can take on your personal brand. And then um, the next 60 minutes after that is going to be question and answer session. Um, these are usually smaller, tighter groups, cameras on. You can legit ask your question from what you learn, which is my favorite because it's knowledge that's applied. It turns into, I learned something, but now I can apply it and I know what to do next. And that is coming up here Thursday, June 2nd, 11 a.m. to 1, per, uh, 1 p.m. Central Time. So um, I'll send you that link, Sifu, if you want to drop it into the comments um, or in the description. I'll send you that link. Or if someone wants to add me on either Facebook or Instagram, you'll be able to see it because we're promoting here soon. But um, I can say that those master classes are extremely powerful. We have we keep it tight to a small amount of people so that we can interact and have a warm, intimate group and a discussion. Mm. Um, so you're not cold and just sitting out there with hundreds of people that you don't know and zoned out. You're there. You're with me. You're feeling the energy and you're taking action steps from it. So um, those are really highly reviewed and coveted um, classes. And, and I have a lot of fun doing them, just like just like something like this. Um, It's high energy. You'll learn a lot. Um, And uh, that's probably another great place to get more, more information and get to learn. Right. So let's say that someone um, wants to do it, but they can't do it. You have other events coming up after that. How, how can they find those events? Because let's say for some reason they can't come to the June 2nd, but they can come to the future ones or they want to come. Maybe they came to and they're like, oh, wow, this was great. I want to I want to invite my friends too, right? Because yeah. word of mouth sometimes is probably the best way for people to yeah. come to our events. So do you also post those up? Yes, I do. Yep. Is it on your website? It's not. I should. <laughs> 
Good idea. Yeah. See, we're, we, we're all about imperfect action here. But um, if you do, if you can't attend the June 2nd thing, if you pay for the registration, you will get the Zoom replay. You'll get the Zoom replay and a transcript so you can jump to the parts and pieces so that way you still have access to it. Um, but we're planning to do a masterclass every month and those topics change. So just hit me up on social media, hit me a follow and you'll find it. Beautiful. Beautiful. My gosh, I had so much fun. This was so fun. It was really, really just, it was just, it was just coffee with a friend and it was just a nice deep conversation. Got to learn some things about you. You inspired me with the journaling thing and um, even the kid thing of how you've grown these two amazing sons who remember the podcast days and, you know, treating, treating your card time as like, this is, you know, this is time to learn. This is a learning incubator. It's just like just little things like that. My kids are four and six and first, so have a little seedling like that popped. Yeah. yeah. It's really, really nice. And so I, I learned a lot from it too. And I also just had a lot of fun. Yeah. No, I appreciate that. You know, one of the things that I always say to kids is how was school and you know, kids go yeah. good. I'm like, no. I say, well, what did you learn? And they'll go math. Yeah. I'm like, what did you learn in math? And they're like yeah. multiplications. I said, which multiplic? So I go deeper <laughs> and deeper and deeper. And all of a sudden, they're getting excited about what they learn. And I do that with my students now. Like every yeah. day when they, they come in, I don't just say, hey, how you doing? I'll always yeah. go, how was school? And I said, what'd you do in school? They go, that's awesome. Oh, dude, you're making moms all over America just happy. That's all I want for my kid. You know, like that's wonderful. <laughs> but, you know, that's as parents, we, you know, we don't know what they went through in school because it's it's eight hours. We don't see them. Right. And then so what winds up happening is like I had a kid yesterday tell me um, I had fun in school. I said, why? He goes, because we had recess. Yeah. OK. What did you do in recess? Because now they're, they're talking about their day. So one of the things and I always believe is parents stop communicating with their kids. Maybe not. At a certain age, but when the kids get older, they lose that communication. But if we continue that communication and start it early, but do it every day, yeah, your kids will be there when they're 13, 14, when they don't want to talk to people, they'll talk to you, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's a great point. Great point. See, Joe, you're amazing, girl. Thank you so much. You are too. You are too, Raphael. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Have an amazing and blessed day. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. I'll be back with a new episode and a new guest. You can find all episodes of the Coaching Call podcast on Apple, Anchor, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, and wherever you listen to podcasts. I ask that you please leave me an honest review. This episode was made possible by listeners like you. If you enjoyed this episode, Go ahead and buy me a cup of coffee. Make it a large. I'm trying to keep this episode free of advertisements. Anything you can donate to the cause is greatly appreciated. To donate, go to paypal.me backslash Sifu Raphael. Thank you and I really appreciate your help.